Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Great new inventory. Great sales, great deals. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Yeah, maybe pre-owned inventory is either what you prefer, or maybe it's your budget saying that's what you prefer. Plenty of that as well, and it's outstanding. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Our play-by-play call of the day, the Las Vegas Raiders on the board. Deadlocked at 17. Ingle set in front of Jacobs. Carr. Going to throw, rolls right, wide open, touchdown, Waller. Beautiful play. Brent Musk has been the voice of the Raiders on radio for the last, what, three years, I think, at minimum. And this works out because Brent has his radio network in operation now in Las Vegas. Anyway, it worked out perfectly. And that's his call on the radio on the Raiders radio network. All right, the Steelers are 2-0 and in the season. I'm trying to think, what's the Eagles record, Matt? I'm trying to think here. <laughs> you're, you're just a Because cool I know person. my New York football giants are 0-2. Yeah, we're right there with you in the basement of the... I'm cruel. I, <laughs> I'm just, I, was just, I was just asking for clarity. <laughs> yeah, both our teams I just want to make sure I wasn't making a mistake. Oh, mine, I knew going in was I had no hopes. It's between you and me, I had no hope. You yeah, had hope, true. hope's gone. Yeah. All right. You ain't got Joe Burrow. This, now it's at the point where Joe Burrow's coming in. You're afraid of him. All right, what's next? Your own shadow? <laughs> Come on. I worry about you. I'm getting a little worried here. With that... We bring in the outstanding Neil Kulong. Neil, welcome. Great to have you with us. Great to be back, as always. And uh, that, that reminded me of, of uh, Fletch. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but I'm going to have to watch that tonight, and it's honor. So, <laughs> Perfect. The bit where he's in front of the reporters and just fakes his own microphone break up and <laughs> able to get himself out of the situation so he doesn't have to answer any questions. It's, it's an effective strategy, if you think about it. Maybe, uh, maybe it's one we'll see more in the NFL. It was an effective strategy when I did it. <laughs> the panic was at the outside. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding here. All right. Uh, so, uh, because this is a lot like a college football season with no preseason, no scrimmages, coaches always say they make their greatest improvement from game one to game two. So, how much better were the Steelers? Um, <laughs> I, I don't. I think they were probably the one team that I really watched this week that didn't have a huge improvement or a huge decline. And I don't know if that's good or bad, uh, but they're 2-0. and 
and they're playing another winless team this week. So to some degree, uh, you, you have to kind of think that no news is good news. Um, they, they got out of this one without any significant injuries, um, unlike the rest of the league. So there's some value in that for them. Um, I, I hope to, to meet any preseason expectations this team had, um, I, I hope they're going to get better as the weeks go on. And that's something we've seen out of Mike Tomlin's teams over the last six, seven seasons. Um, they have improved uh, after kind of a, a, a sloppy start, to, to put it one way. Um, they've gotten better. I don't think the offense is in rhythm yet. I don't think it really has a good identity of, of what it is. We've seen some flashes of, of some quality play, but uh, a game that the offense really needed to, to you know step on the throats of the Denver Broncos, they turned the ball over twice in the second half. Uh, neither of which were particularly, you know, harmless uh, infractions. A lot of defensive penalties after a, a brilliant first half. Um, it, not a consistent game, and a lot of, as Tomlin would say, uh, Steelers beating Steelers kind of mistakes. And that that's the kind of thing that uh, you, you, to some degree, with these teams uh, from the past, you kind of expect to see it early on. Um, I don't think they took a huge step in in any direction in this game, but we did see. Uh, some great individual play. Uh, we, we saw, you know, pockets of time in which they were dominant. Uh, and some good things against kind of a beleaguered opponent, but um, they, they did what they needed to do. They ended up with the win. Um, I, I thought it was interesting after everything. Terrell Edmonds is the one that gets the untouched sack right. for what number six in the game? I think it was seven in the game. Um, it, for him to have sealed it after he committed one of what five defensive penalties in the second half. Uh, a, a fitting way to kind of you know mark off a, an uneven um, winning performance from them. All right, so let's get to Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, and my concern would be out of game one, not how he performed, but how sore would he be? Because you know it's like being a pitcher going out there for the first time in a while. You know the arm is actually has to do it, the shoulder has to do it right when. You know, after laying off for such a long time, it didn't look like he really suffered from any of that in the win over uh, Denver. I thought I want to agree with you, and there are are instances that we can see that. But the the thing that concerned me the most, and I don't know if this is a, a, a an issue of his recovery more than it is just where he is um, in, in terms of his progress and throwing the football. But the pass he threw to Deontay Johnson um, should have been a touchdown. I think yeah, most quarterbacks right. in the league are going to be able to make that throw. Johnson had a step on him. He had the back pylon to throw to. Uh, he underthrew that pretty badly, and it wobbled, not to, to bring up the, the word we don't want to hear anymore, but it, it he threw a duck. I mean, it was a bad throw. Mm-hmm. Um and it didn't come out of his hand very well either. If you think about it, you got, uh, what, four different tendons connecting your elbow to your hand as far as your motion goes. The main thing that you're going to worry about with a guy throwing a ball is how well he can grip it. And if you're throwing a ball that slips out of your hand, that's sliding out of your hand, you don't have all that good of a grip on it, assuming it isn't raining, which it couldn't have been a drier, more perfect afternoon to throw the football. Uh, I, I was worried about that. You know, we saw a couple of those against the Giants. We saw him wrapping his elbow on the sideline um, at, at one point as well. It, it was a nice throw to Claypool down the sideline. He definitely got a good arc on it. He put it exactly where it needed to go. Um, you, you can't fault the throw. 
but that wasn't like a step and throw kind of thing. He wasn't using much more than just his wrist. Sure. Um, that throw is it's quick. It's you snap it off your hands more than anything. You're not putting a whole lot of torque on your elbow when you make that throw. The throw to Johnson requires a bit more arm. And the fact that he badly underthrew that and should have been intercepted, yeah. I, I'm I'm worried. Uh, I think there is a, a reason for concern there. I understand what his numbers were. He's keeping things very short. He's keeping it manageable. Exactly. He's not making a whole lot of mistakes with the football. I mean, that one probably you should have paid for a little bit more than an incomplete pass. And he did have the interception, which I think he, he probably realizes he, he tried to do too much with that play. I'm not sure he has the vertical ability uh, to, to really burn teams deep anymore. And I, I think we're going to see uh, Houston challenge him on that come Sunday. I, I think they're going to really crowd the line of scrimmage. They're really going to get in the face of the receivers and force those receivers who don't seem to be getting open all that consistently uh, to tap and step up and make plays. Um, I think they're capable of doing that, but you got to wonder right now where the ball is going when it comes out of Roethlisberger's hands. I, I don't think he played particularly well. I understand everybody else is saying otherwise, but I, I, I didn't see a great game from him overall. And after two weeks, um, I'm curious what his ceiling is. Well, this is what I think. I think where he'll benefit the Steelers more than anything else is uh, pre-snap and playing with his mind. In other words, I mean, I think that's that's the biggest the biggest single advantage he has over anybody else they have in the roster is that he can think his way through the game. I think what we've seen to this point proves that as. His numbers, his production, his play on the field, I think, is is mostly been uh, mental than anything else. And I hate to say this, but I, I can't get it out of my mind. Watching him, it's almost kind of like watching Peyton Manning in 2015. Mm, when yeah. he was coming off his sure. injury, it was obvious he couldn't throw the ball deep That's very right. well, and he was going to have to arc it pretty good. Um I'm not sure if we're not seeing that out of Roethlisberger right now. That's a problem on a lot of levels, if that's the case. Uh, again, um, let's keep in mind, I don't want to say a limited training camp, but kind of a different training camp. Um, you've probably got some, uh, if rust isn't the right word, there, there's certainly a, a communication issue going on, uh, particularly between him and Deontay Johnson. Uh, we saw that one on a quick hitch that Roethlisberger overthrew by about four yards. I don't think that was on Roethlisberger. Um, there, there's some working out that they're going to need to do, and the fact that they seem intent on getting the ball to Johnson 12, 13 times a game. Um, we see it more. If they're not on the same page, the whole thing is going to look like a disaster. So right. there's some work that they're going to need to do, and maybe that's more of what we're seeing right now. But uh, he is directing traffic very well. He's going. The ball is going to where it should go. You know, We're not seeing him make mistakes. He's not throwing into tight coverage um, in, in exorbitant amount of times. And he hasn't been sacked all that much either. It happens. Um, but he's not fighting to, to keep the play alive. Uh, he's getting rid of the ball, from from my estimation anyway, on schedule. So uh, I, I'm not sure if this isn't just something that they're going to work out as they continue to play together, um, getting used to a lot of new players out there. Um, and, you know, it, obviously a very different offensive line. Now we've had two of them in two weeks, and it looks like we're going to have a, a third come Sunday. So sure. there, there are some issues that they're going to have to iron out. But uh, the fact that he is a savvy veteran, in my opinion, has always been grossly underrated for how smart of a player he is. 
um, it, that's going to keep them afloat. You know, it, it somehow or other, amid all these complaints that I'm making, they're they're averaging 26 points a game, right. uh, which is definitely above average. You have to be happy about that. So, uh, it, it's a lot of different directions to go with it. I don't know if we've seen quite enough yet, but I, I have my reasons to to be concerned for them moving forward. There are a lot of people that rightfully praise the pressure that the front for the Steelers gets on opposing quarterbacks. In reality, though, how well is the the back end played, the defensive backfield? I'm not particularly thrilled, um, but I'll say this. Last year, uh, Joe Hayden in particular had a a great season in terms of playmaking. Mm -hmm. He is able to lean on the skill of the guys who are around him, and he's smart enough to be where the ball is going to be. In other words, in, in certain forms of coverage, he plays more like a back-end safety. Mm-hmm. If, if it's not on his side, he's the guy who's dropping back to cover the, the deep half, and he can cut over. He does a great job of that. He and, and Minka Fitzpatrick seem to really be uh, on the same page in terms of what they're doing. Um, the downside to that is it can be exploited if you're that aggressive. And we've seen this at, at, you know, for, for the best defenses. Uh, when they get beat, it's usually due to overaggression. Um, at the same time, though, the two biggest plays they've given up in back-to-back weeks – one, uh, probably more on Steven Nelson, but really a combination of the two, given the, the coverage that they were in uh, in week one. And then last week, or the, the, you know, just this past game, you saw Hayden get completely fried by a, a, a much more athletic Cortland Sutton. Um, and that would have been bad if he played the whole game after that play. Yeah. Hayden did nothing to get in his way. Um, if I'm Houston, I'm, I'm dipping into that well pretty often. I've got a, a great deep field threat in in Brandon Cooks, and I've got a quarterback who loves to drop seven and throw deep, uh, and he can do that. They're, they're going to test Hayden and Nelson uh, for a good chunk of that game. And if they want to, to have a race to, you know, it, it, to see if Watson can get rid of the ball before he gets tagged, uh, which poor Jeff Driscoll did, I think, pretty much every time he dropped back to throw the yeah. ball. Um, yeah. He's still making plays at the end of the game. What, what's Deshaun Watson going to do? I, I don't think they're going to give up a, an untouched sack on fourth down inside the 20, but it, it, it's they're a dangerous team, you know, and yeah. it, they're going to match up well with the Steelers in that regard. And if we've seen a weakness uh, among the Steelers' defense right now, it's absolutely the deep ball. Uh, they caught him in some bad coverages. And things like that, it, it, they're happening with Daniel Jones and a first-year coach, as well as Jeff Driscoll and, and a Broncos offense that, with their starting quarterback and their, their stud wide receiver, isn't all that good. So I, I think Houston's a much better offensive team. They certainly have much more explosion than those two teams do. Um, you put that together, that, that can be tough. That might be a tough matchup for them, and I think Hayden and, and Nelson are really going to have to be more disciplined than they have been to this point. Always a pleasure. Brilliant analysis, by the way. Of course. Sometimes I hit a thing or two. <laughs> <laughs> so I always laugh about the 5 o'clock hitter when people, you know, like, wow. And then the game starts and they're 0 for 4 with two strikeouts and a couple of weak rounders. <laughs> you are a gamer. You are no 5 plenty of those. You are no 5 o'clock hitter. You're a gamer. <laughs> Neil, thanks. Thanks again for having me. You guys have a good week. Neil Kulong. Mark Brennan, final half hour. Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Great to have you with us on the show today. Notre Dame and Wake Forest will not play. Notre Dame has had to put 
13 players in isolation. I think five tested positive. So because of contract tracing, they've had to put others into uh, isolation. But Wake Forest and Notre Dame both have a bye week, October 3rd. And it looks like that's the direction they would like to go in, if at all possible. Um, so that is uh, the story on that one. That's the, I guess, I think it'd be safe to say it's the highest profile game that's had to be postponed. It hasn't been canceled, it's been postponed. Big difference. But again, there is not. Uh, you look at the Big Ten, there is not any flexibility in that schedule. Uh, because they're starting October twenty, the weekend of October twenty fourth, and not the weekend of October seventeenth, there's not a bye week that's built in, and so that means you just go through and get in as many as you can with the hope you can get them all in. I believe tomorrow, Wisconsin is allowed to go back to practice again. So that's uh, that'll be the next step there. They also, as I pointed out yesterday, have not released the TV schedule. The TV schedule would also include whether everybody's playing on Saturdays or whether there's a Friday game or two or maybe something else. That'll be the next step as to what the TV part happens to be. Uh it looks like several players you know, have decided to opt back in. Sean Wade and Wyatt Davis at Ohio State. Rashad Bateman, and the, like uh, like Micah Parsons, opted out before the initial Big Ten decision of August 11th. But he is allowed to come back and practice. The NCAA evidently is not going to do this in mass, where they just make a mass ruling and say, hey, look, no matter what you've done, here are, here are the parameters you can come back. Uh, evidently, they're going to take this on a case-by-case basis. And that's according to Tom Mars, the attorney. That's the that's what he's sensing, that it's a case-by-case basis. And who knows how they... I mean, for all we know, Michael Parsons either has not petitioned the NCAA, or he has and he's waiting. I, you know, You don't know. None of us know. Last time I actually talked to him was in March, so I'm not going to sit there and pretend I know. I'm just telling you what the options are. The Raiders' new stadium. I mean, empty, but looks looks really nice. And after Oakland, the Los Angeles back to Oakland... This looks like it's going to be where they're going to set up shop for a long, long time. And they played well last night. I thought, uh, for example, uh, Derek Carr played very well last night. And then there's the Eagles. Matt's having trouble getting over it. I'll be better by tomorrow. You sure? I think so. And I feel better that Jim Schwartz actually was very honest with the media today. Doesn't really 
make it any better, but at least he was honest. Well, you know what's interesting, though? (laughs) There's no doubt coaches make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. Even the guy in the corner office who doesn't admit (laughs) to it makes mistakes. Right? So, I mean, they're, what, 70 plays in a game? Well, I'm thinking college now. Where a coordinator on each side of the ball has to make a call. Every coordinator is like all in what we're doing. They'll think of uh, there's a couple plays, but I'd like to have a couple of those back. But the rest of them, they feel pretty good about what they did. So few people take into account execution. It's the execution of the plays, the execution of the blitzes, the execution of the coverages. Oh, it's a scheme. It's a scheme. All right. No offense. I, I just can't picture a lot of you knowing what the scheme is. A lot of it's the execution of the scheme. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Lincoln Kia Hyundai, great pre-owned inventory. Fabulous service department. All at Sunbury Motors. 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. The Broncos have signed Blake Bortles at quarterback. There you go. Which means there's somebody they didn't sign. We'll leave it at that. All right. Great to have you with us on the show today. And now let's bring in Mark Brendan, 24-7 Sports. Mark, always great to have you with us on the show. Welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Steve and T. Frank. All right, so let's uh, let's start with uh, the return back. It's it's not like Penn State has not been practicing; they have, but they have it's not. But it has not been in the traditional like let's put on pads, let's hit each other. What will be the biggest transition in your opinion going from doing their skill instruction right now to now to the next step of an actual training camp? Yeah, I think one of the things we're seeing in the NFL right now, Steve, is the effect of players not doing as much hitting as maybe they usually would have done. Uh, That's not to say that Penn State does a ton of hitting, but you look at the NFL and look at all of these injuries that we're seeing. And I don't think that's by coincidence. So, you know, kind of knock on wood and you hope that when they're able to ramp things up, uh, that they're able to avoid some of this. Now, I will tell you this, and I've said this from the beginning, that I think Penn State has been at an advantage through all of this to whatever extent you could have an advantage in the fact that they have one of the best, if not the best strength coaches in the nation in Dwight Galt. Yes. You know, this guy can really wrap his head around a lot of things. You know, he passes himself off as kind of an aw shuck, you know, yeah. and he is a, he's a genuinely nice guy. That's right. But if you look at the, if you look at the um, effects of what he has done in his time here, 
and you know how that's translated to the combine, how that's translated to again knock on wood players staying healthy, that sort of thing. But to me, that's the biggest thing. You know, it was unfortunate that they only had what was it those four days of you know whatever they call the preseason practice, and they weren't really able to get they didn't they weren't able to get the pads on. So they haven't had the pads on since what I mean before the Cotton Bowl and in the Cotton Bowl. Cotton Bowl. So the last that's time, yeah. going to be yeah that's going to be be the biggest transition. And then you know you know these guys are just going to be. Ready to get after it. Yeah, they so want to fly. They, that, yeah, right. You hope they don't take it out on each other. So, well, to, you know, to me, those are the things. That's an interesting point uh, because that has always been a point of emphasis for James with his players. It's always been a point. He says, "Yep, like play hard, but remember that's your teammate." In other words, the, you know, in other words, practice hard, but remember that is your teammate. You're going to need that teammate on Saturday. Right, and they, you're right. And James has always said, I've heard him on the, you know, when you do the show with them, when he's talked to us on Zoom, you know, he's always said there really isn't as much hitting uh, and tackling in practice as, as there used to be, you know, back in back in the olden days. Yeah. Uh, but there's still enough, and I think that the one point that I would reiterate is these guys haven't hit. That's right. And so long that you, I just have to imagine the way that these guys are wired. You know, for people, I don't think people understand what a violent game college football is because you watch it on TV. But if you're down there on the field at practice or if you get down there on the field like I'm able to do for the end of games, well, I used to be able to do I won't be able to do it this year. I mean, these guys are so big and so fast, and the hits are so violent that to to go from not doing that to doing that – just, let's just hope everybody's able to stay as healthy as possible. But that, that to me, is going to be the biggest change because everything else. Listen, you have a you have a veteran team here, and you know not every key position has a veteran leader, but you have enough of them that you know th- these guys are going to be able to make whatever transitions they need to make. I mean, wh- when you talk about the Sean Cliffords and Pat Fryer moves, when you talk about that offensive line. You know, when you talk about Shaka Tony and Tariq Castro Fields and Lamont Wade on the other side of the ball, there are enough strong leaders on this team That's right. across the board that whatever technical or whatever transitions need to be made, these guys are going to be able to make, make those transitions. I think the physical part is going to be the biggest thing. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts on the schedule and the order of games? Uh, you know, it's... I understand why they wanted to move Ohio State from the last game of the season for Penn State and and swap that with Michigan Ohio State at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but listen, you, you're going to have to take whatever schedule's given you. I, I do think it's kind of funny the way things worked out for for Nebraska. You know, after all the yeah. yapping that was going on, you know, they kind of get this this killer schedule. You know, w- one thing I would say, people and Steve, you know this, and T Frank, you know this. But for people who don't pay close enough attention, do not sleep on that opening game. No. Do not sleep on the end. No way. That is a well-coached team, mm-hmm. and Penn State has almost always had its hands full out there. And, you know, one of the reasons Penn State's always had its hands full is because the stadium was always so dead, and they were always playing early. Well, now it's really going to be dead. <laughs> yeah. So, and, yeah, so, yeah. So now you're going to be into a whole new situation out there. I, I know the temptation is going to be, 
everybody look ahead to, to Ohio State. But I am telling you, take James Franklin's advice on this one, Indiana, 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 because if you blow that one, your season, I don't want to say your season's over, but any chance for a championship is going to be out the window. I watched, I literally took time and watched every pass Michael Penix threw last season before he got hurt this morning. Yeah, and he's a dynamic player. He's got a, a, he makes quick decisions, he can throw the ball on the line, he can run, a good player. Smart guy, too. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, you can tell he's intelligent in what he does as well. Yeah, the smart, Stevie Scott, as a running back, really good. And I'll tell you, the area, you know where the area Indiana's made its greatest improvement in the last 10 years? Linebackers. Their linebackers are really good now. Their linebackers for a long time were usually undersized and not quite good enough. Yeah, and that's a well-coached team. Yeah, I mean, and that, Tom does so, a good so job. Obviously, they have not recruited, and they, they probably never will recruit to the level that Penn State does, but they have enough good players. They're going to be ready for action. You know, this is... <laughs> Again, people do not sleep on that game. But otherwise, I mean, listen, yeah. the schedule, you're going to have to take what, what the Big Ten gives you. Uh, I think, uh, you know, you get Iowa from the other side, and you don't get Wisconsin, you don't get Minnesota, so maybe that's a little bit of a break. Uh, but, I listen, I, it's going to be a wild, wild eight-week ride, and then the ninth week will be fun, whatever that may bring. Yeah, whatever it that may bring. Um, I'll get back to football in a moment. Uh, basketball, they had the option of starting November 21st. In fact, it was recommended uh, that they start the 21st. That was the recommendation. They chose the 25th because that way uh, most campuses uh, will be empty at that point. That's the reason they, they picked it. Yeah. Um, there will be four fewer games. The Charleston tournament's moving to Orlando. Uh, just any thought on on playing a basketball season like this and and trying to negotiate it because it's different indoors versus outdoors. Yeah, well, I think the key is that they're going to be able to start when the when the students aren't here and yep. um, being able to do that uh, just to, to me makes a whole lot of sense because this way you could get a good way into the season. And again, I keep saying knock on wood, yeah, but you know, right. hopefully they're able to do everything safely because that's what it boils down to. I mean, uh, you know, how are people going to be able to adjust? You know, now all of a sudden, you know, when you're in the Big Ten, your home advantage isn't what your home advantage used to be. And I haven't been to every Big Ten opposing gym. You have been, yeah. and I think you can speak to how huge a home court advantage is in, in the Big Ten at, at most <laughs> yes, places. At most places, yeah. So now, yeah. So now, yeah. I mean, even even a gone. place like Nebraska, even a place like Nebraska, Mark. I yeah. mean, they may not have great tradition, but they got fans that are into it. No, and now Northwestern has a new facility. I mean, so you know, you're looking at places that you used to be able to go. And listen, from the out from the other side of it. People used to look at Penn State. There were times when people look at Penn State as an easy place to go. And all of a sudden, last year, that kind of changed. So in the last couple of years, I should say, you know, that, that started to change. So that is all out the window. So now, you know, you're going out and playing Michigan State. And, you know, obviously Penn State won at Michigan State this year, which was or last year, which was tremendous for Penn State. Yeah. But now all of a sudden you don't have that home court advantage, which, you know, to, to me, it's, just absolutely gigantic, given the number of games you play. Uh, so, so, so that is going to be the biggest difference for me. Have they talked to you yet about how to cover this football season? 
No, they haven't. Um, you know, we haven't heard anything from Penn State yet, which is understandable. I'm oh, yeah, not complaining. No, that's understandable, yeah. Yeah. But in terms of, uh, you know, what we're hearing from some other conferences, I know in the ACC, uh, what they were doing, at least at North Carolina, where I have some friends, uh, media outlets were able to have one or two people in the press box, and then they're using pool photographers and videographers, if I can spit that out. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, it's way different. And then what, you know, the ability to travel, you know, I have the ability to travel. I'm able to travel. Uh, I'm not prevented from traveling by, by our company, but how many seats are going to be available. So all these things have to be worked out. It's a whole new dynamic, and it's, it's really strange because you go from, you know, being at I, – I, I was at every Penn State home game except one, and you, you know what this is all about. You know, I had a friend pass away back yeah. in 99. Right. But every Penn State home game since 88, and, you know, now we have three staffers. How many people can we get in the press box? Do we have to rotate? Uh, all these things kind of have to be, you know, sorted out. So hopefully we're able to start sorting those things out in the next, in the next week or so, next couple of weeks, so we can start planning. But it's so much different because, you know, from, from my perspective, we use, you know, most of the people on the beat, at least the savvy people on the beat, you know, they would book their flights and stuff in you know in march and i was really just about to start doing that before the whole pandemic hit and and you know i didn't do it (laughs) you know realizing wow this this could be a lot different so yeah there's going to be a lot of planning i think there's going to be a lot more driving the flying uh it's going to be a whole different situation but you know i will say this the penn state you know so far with the availability uh, that they've had of players and coaches on Zoom, they've shown a real ability to do that uh, in the middle of weeks, and I'm sure they're going to be able to pull it off during games as well, or after games. If it was during games, that would be really fun, but after <laughs> games, I'm sure. And you see how some other people are doing it. You know, I watch, sure. the, I watch the Sixers, I watch the Phillies, I watch all my Philadelphia teams, and, and they're able to pull it off. So listen, you know, it's not going to be the easiest thing, it's not going to be the most comfortable, but Hey, if that's the worst thing I have to worry about, I'm I'm okay with it. We'll work our way through this season and then look towards next season. What was just your reaction as to eventually how it played out in the Big Ten? And there have been a lot of the rumor. You know, there are always going to be rumors. There have been rumors oh about God. October 17th starting, now it's the 24th. In terms of how it finally settled in, uh, most people are just relieved, so they're playing. But now you've had a chance to think about it. What did you think? Yeah, I think it was an embarrassment that there was more stuff being leaked to media members, and I am a media member, uh, but I think it was an embarrassment that you had more stuff being leaked that, than information you had going to the coaches. I mean, to me, that, that's absolutely ridiculous yeah. that, you know, people co- coaches are, are reading stuff on Twitter, and my heart goes out to, to James Franklin because all of a sudden, and you know this, he was talking to you about it. I mean, all of a yeah. sudden, now the players are coming to him and saying, well, I just read, read this on Twitter, and right. the parents are coming to him. And, you know, to me, that was just absolutely terrible. I go back to when the Big Ten made its decision, I don't think it had to make its decision when it did. I think it could have taken its time, Agreed. Uh, pushed it down, you know, kicked the can down the road just a little bit and, and you know, say, hey, this is our plan for now. We may have to change it. Uh, and instead, they ended up doing what they do. And w- what ended up happening? You know, you had players opting out. Now, 
obviously that wasn't the case with Micah Parsons. He had opted out before. But the two kids at Ohio State, you know, they end up opting out. You know, actually, Rashad. People forget Rashad Bateman of Minnesota also opted out oh, before yeah. the decision. Too people forget that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but but regardless, it's I don't. They made. I thought they made a hasty decision. Yeah. And then with all these leaks, and you know, Dan Patrick saying this, and who's saying this, and who's saying this, <laughs> and in the meantime, you have your coaches sitting there like, well, what's going on? Uh, so I thought that part of it was but, – but listen, ultimately, hopefully they're able to pull this off. Regardless of how they got there, Yeah. you, you would just hope that after going through all of that, they are able to do this safely, and this is the best way to go about doing it, being able to t- test the, the players every day. Yeah. Uh, you know, hopefully this is the thing that makes the most sense, and maybe this is where we would have gotten anyway. Maybe this is where we would have gotten – but I just hope that Kevin Warren learned a lesson uh, about not making these hasty decisions and, you know, taking your time. There was, I just don't understand. There was no need to rush that decision. But, again, ultimately, you know, maybe they got to the, the best kind of spot in spite of themselves. Yeah, well, daily testing will make a huge difference. So um, one last question. That's on opting out. Uh, and that is uh, obviously, you know, uh, Micah, of course, as you mentioned, opted out, out on what, August 9, 10, something like that, whatever the date it was. Um, and he, as of right now, he's, you know, he's still in that spot. Uh, we know Pat Fryer moves playing, but he never really opted out. Uh, a player that it's not going to affect the players drafted this time, Mark, at all. They'll be the Trailblazers. But how interesting yeah. is it going to be to see guys that don't play a game in 19 months try to negotiate playing again? Yeah, I mean, I, I do. I've heard some NFL experts, and I'm forgetting who. I apologize, uh, but saying you know the tricky part is going to be you know it's not going to make a difference for Micah Parsons. He's no. going to be a top 10 pick regardless. That's right. But other guys who may opt out, and if they're in a situation where a team is trying to decide to pick player A who played this year and player B, who opted out and hasn't played since last season, they're going to go with the player who played more recently. Right. Because, you know, if, if all things being equal. So I think that's where it could potentially hurt people. But I think for guys like Micah Parsons, yeah, I, I hope he comes back. I think the only from a selfish perspective, because it would be so fun to cover. Sure. But I completely get his decision if he doesn't. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I don't think it's going to hurt his draft stock, because I just think he's that that level of athlete, that level of player. Well, if, if, if my point is that the people that opt out now are not going to be affected draft-wise by this. Zero. But it could affect the draft status of people thinking about opting out years from now if – Guys have success, or guys look stale. Like suddenly, right. two two years from now, you're like, I don't think you got to opt out because like there's a whole series of guys. There may be like five that were great, but there's a whole series of guys that did it. They didn't look good, and I think that's this right. is this is going to be the test group. Yeah, well, I mean, didn't Bosa do it a couple years ago? Yeah, I mean, but you know, Bo- yeah, Bosa did it, but Bosa but Bosa actually played the first three games. Uh, he so, was banged up. Yeah, right? so he got hurt, uh, the abdominal yeah. injury, the groin injury he had. So, in right. other words, he ended up going 10 months between games, not 19. Yeah, that's a different thing. Yeah. No, no that's a great point. I mean, you know, and speaking of drafts, I mean, 
You know, the guy I, I feel terrible for here for, is Lamar Stevens. Oh, yeah. uh, to go back to hoops, you know, I don't know if he'll be drafted or not, but just think of, 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 of that guy and everything he meant to Penn State. And, and he has his season taken away from him. Yeah. And now he's to the point where he has to, he's has to wait until November, whatever it is, you know, for just the opportunity to be drafted. I'm he sorry to go off. off no, but he off can't. The field there, he but. can't even show in a combine because he was invited to the combine. He can't even show what he can do. I know it's awful, and and the, and the thing is, he's a guy who I think would have benefited from the combine. I think yes. he could have gone. Yep. So hopefully, he's able to use this time and work out on his own and uh, refine that three-point shot because I think we all know that's what he needs to be able to do to, 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 to play at that next level. On September 22nd, 2019, Lamar Stevens expected that one way or another as a free agent or as a drafted player, he was going to be yep. in an NBA camp right now. And right now, he's still in limbo. Yeah. Well, I think they're starting something up where they're going to be able to work out at yeah. the local facilities. So hopefully right. for him, he's able to get down there, uh, you know, the, at the well, Sixers facility and do what he needs to do. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, when you mentioned the draft, my head—I keep thinking about he. I keep thinking Lamar in the back of my yep. head, and because you know, now now I'm at the point where I could be a Lamar Stevens fan, and you know, we have to be objective when you cover him. But he, I had so much fun covering him, and, mm-hmm. and he was such a great player. Yep. Came out Amen. after wins, came out after losses, conducted himself like, like a, a professional, and I mean in terms of the way he dealt with the media. Yep. So now I'm a Lamar Stevens fan, and I'm I'm rooting for him. Uh, I just feel terrible that it's, <laughs> this has unfolded this way because I don't think anybody could have envisioned it. No. Yeah. Mark, always a pleasure. Thanks so much. Always enjoy the conversation. Appreciate it, guys. See ya. Mark Brennan, 24-7 Sports. We'll wrap it up in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. for being on the show today. Neil Kulwan, great to have him on the show. Mike Gross as well, Sandy Barber. More coming up tomorrow, and we'll find out whether or not Matt is on the road to recovery. I'll be all right. I promise. After the Eagles' devastating 0-2 start. It's just been unwatchable. Well, you're right about that. 
Ah, well, I can hear the pain in your voice. You speak for so many. 